Hello, this is Where Did It All Go Right? Welcome to another episode. I'm Ali Jones and this is the podcast where I talk to people in creative jobs about the pivotal moments in their careers. Well, this all started when I realised I knew a few people who'd got some rather great careers and I thought, how did they do it? And it's kind of uh, grown from that. So we're coming towards the end of this series and so far we've had some great guests. We've had authors, comedians, presenters, economists, cartoonists, people in all sorts of jobs and they're all there waiting for you. Now this week I got to hold an Oscar and a BAFTA uh, because my guest is David Malinowski who is an award-winning special effects makeup artist. He's worked on The Darkest Hour transforming Gary Oldman into Winston Churchill and he's also worked on many more films and TV shows and I'll leave him to tell you all about it. Well David thank you so much for uh, letting me come and well, have a chat in your wonderful cinema, and I just my eye was completely drawn <laughs> to to the wonderful well the, all the awards on display. So what have we got? We've got the Oscar, we've got the BAFTA. Yeah, and then we have the Makeup um, Guild Awards, and we have a Critics Choice Award. So we won all of those in the same year for the Darkest Hour. Yeah. Yeah, we were nominated for all four, and we won all four, so that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I I had an interview with you. Um, I think it was the the day after or the night of of the parties, and I think you'd oh, yeah. you'd managed to gate crash the um, the Vanity Fair party. Yeah, and you were planning to get to Jay Z's and the Donners. Did you manage? Yeah, it? we did manage to get to that. We just stayed at the Vanity Fair party too long, and then everything shuts quite early in LA. It seems quite strange. So we turned up, and they said the party's finishing. So. I can't remember what time that was, but it wasn't particularly late. You know, it would have only been, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning or something. But it just I think seemed. That's quite uh, late. <laughs> you were like, "This is my night. I want to party." Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So our driver was really pleased. He'd never driven an Oscar winner before, <laughs> but he's been driving people to the Oscars for like twenty-five years or something. Yeah. Frank, his name was, okay. um, and we had him when we went to some other events before the Oscars. We had Frank, and we spoke about it, and we said we might be nominated this year, and. Um, so when we went back, we asked for Frank because we just wanted him, and he'd never driven um, someone before. So he um, was ch- he was more chuffed than you. Were. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, he was so excited when we got back into the car. His wife, you know, he was watching it from the car. His wife rang him and said, "I can't believe it. They've just won." He said, "I know." So that's the first time <laughs> he's driven. He's driven people to the Oscars, but never driven anyone back with an Oscar. So he was really excited. He drove us to the party and. You turn up, you don't have a ticket, but if you have an Oscar, that's your ticket to get into places. So um, the guy stopped us, the security guy, and said, no, no, you, you can't come into here because we didn't have a car pass or anything. And then he wound the window down and he saw me in the back with the Oscar. So I just kind of showed him that. And he said, oh, sorry, sorry, in you come. <laughs> so, yeah, that's quite nice. A bit rock and roll. <laughs> Did the whole thing feel very surreal, though, particularly looking back on it now? Did yeah, you? definitely. Yeah, even now, like even us talking about it. It's not a usual thing to happen, is it? No, um, no. But it's uh, something that, you know, because you're in the line of business that you could be getting these things, that I suppose it's the ultimate, not just the Oscar, but all the other awards that you've won as well. Yeah, and even just the recognition. So even if you don't win the Oscar, you know, I can imagine it's um, it's just being rewarded, I guess, for your hard work. You know, yeah. being recognised for your hard work is the thing that everybody wants. So um, it's just a shame that you, you go and there's just one winner you know there's not even a second or third place mm. it's just you win or lose I guess is the thing you know you come mm. away with it or you don't mm. so um mm. that's a bit unfortunate because there's some really good competition that year 
But yeah. but nothing taken away from the fact that you did it, yeah. you won it. And also, yeah. um, it was really interesting, wasn't it? Because um, Gary Oldman, when he won his BAFTA, mm-hmm. he thanked you guys, didn't yeah. he? Which is, that's really unusual for yeah. an actor to thank. Yeah, he did. Every time he went up for anything, really, he, he spoke about us, um, either as a team or even individually, you know, with our names. Um, just because I think he, he just appreciated that without us doing what we did he wouldn't have been able to do what he did and therefore he mm. wouldn't be recognized we wouldn't it's kind of a big team effort really well it just shows so. the importance of, of what you do and particularly for, for the darkest hour i suppose because yeah. it got him really into his character yeah and, and really helped him yeah i mean can you imagine him doing that he looks nothing like winston churchill does he so um, just trying to come across you know if gary oldman played winston churchill it would be ridiculous um but you know, turning Gary Oldman into Winston Churchill to play Winston Churchill was, well, obviously worked. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The results um, are everywhere yeah. for us all but, to see. You know, see. but he, he doesn't have to, he, he doesn't have to thank us. He could easily go up there and maybe thank us quite casually, but mm. he would always mention us in interviews and, yeah, he'd just be really really kind and gracious I guess but also um you know you work with him it's a long old time isn't it when he's sitting in that chair I know you've talked about the hours spent Mm -hmm. so you build up such a relationship with someone like that so it yeah you know when it's all over it must be quite sad in a way because you've you've kind of you've made really good friends yeah because you go through all those months of being together you know sitting closer than what we're sitting now like you're right we just you know inches away from their face for four hours every morning while you put the makeup on you see Gary in all of his different moods. He sees us in our different moods. Um, you might be having a good day, bad day, mm. you know, all that kind of mm. stuff. You you really get to know people. You you see each other at two or three o'clock in the morning up to, you know, midnight, the same night or something. So you can really, you can really get to know someone or get to know how they, how they are as a, as a person. Do you know what I mean? Well, I've always, I always wondered, A, do you talk to each other much? Do you have to sort of, <laughs> get the vibe of how people are feeling definitely yeah. yeah yeah so when you go in you just you, you sort of experience I suppose you think right this this actor is in a good mood or in a bad yeah. mood and wants, yeah, and, definitely. And then I think you can almost tell as soon as they step foot on the makeup bus to be honest right but that's just one of those things and I'm sure they step onto the bus if they work with you a bit and they can probably think you're having a bad morning or you just heard some news you don't want to hear you know all that kind of thing yeah. I guess um so when when you decided, okay, I think they're in a chatterable mood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you then, pick up from where you left? Yeah, off the I mean, day and before? and you can chat, but to be honest, we we want to chat almost on our terms because we're the ones doing the work. So we know when the actor has to be still, mm. quiet, and concentrate because you're putting you're applying these really delicate prosthetics that you have one shot to do it. If you stick it down in the wrong place, then it's very difficult to remove it and put it back to where it was because the edges destroy the edges where you blend the prosthetic into Mm. the into the skin they just disintegrate when you glue them down and blend them off so if he if he was to talk or someone came on the bus and asked him a question or um, his girlfriend at the time if she would say something you know that would really Mm. uh, make it difficult for us but he was just perfect he was he 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 did exactly what we wanted when we wanted and also when we're at a time where we just wanted to relax we'd sort of play around a bit and you know once you get the prosthetic in a certain position and it's stuck you can then you can just relax. have fun yeah you yeah. know because it's you know you need to have fun with it it's not a it's stressful enough so you don't want to make it more stressful by sure um 
you know, being really serious. So. Were, were there times though when it didn't work and you'd like, that's not um, in the right place? Yeah, and... there's there's always times and you're, you stick something down and for whatever reason, whether it's my fault or Lucy who was with me, you know, whether it's, whether it's our fault or whether it's, um, you know, Gary's fault for moving, it's just one of those things, it just isn't working out quite so good. Mm. So you just have to think on your feet and try to fix it as best you can because they shot on on Winston so close you know um in the film the close-ups are pretty brutal you know so it has to look perfect all the time unfortunately because you never know if they're gonna if he's gonna be in a wide shot for that day or for that morning or whether they're just gonna be focused right on him you know so So it's gotta be a hundred percent yeah every day yeah (laughs) no mistakes yeah and he's you know he wants it to be perfect so he'll be looking at it when we're when we're doing it he's looking in the mirror and even some days he would say, it doesn't quite feel right today. There's just something right, that, you know. So if you're at a point where you can check it, so you can just start to remove it slightly and you can just check and yeah. um, you just put it back down. He said, yeah, that feels better. Or um, or he'll say, oh, you're a bit faster today than Lucy because Lucy was at this point yesterday and now you're at this point today um, or vice versa. Um, or he says, why are you doing it this way around today? You did it that way yesterday. So he he knows, he, mm. he knows, but you're doing it just because you're either mixing it up a bit because it's the same thing every day and you've been doing it for 60 days or you uh, you just do it in a, different, in a different order because you need to because you've got a problem. So you're trying to resolve that problem while you're moving on to the next point. Sure. I mean? so you, yeah. But you can't let the actor know that you're having issues either. So you just have to, you just have to go with it and... Luckily, every time it worked out. <laughs> keep, a, keep a calm head. Yeah. You've got to be so yeah. calm, haven't you? Yeah. But also, calm when you haven't had much sleep because those hours, mm. I just did wonder when you're on set. Yeah. Do you, what, I mean, a couple of hours a night? What, when uh, do you sleep? Yeah. yeah, just a couple or a few hours a night. So, like I said, we'd be setting our alarm. The earliest I set it was nine minutes past one, uh, one morning, which made Gary laugh because it wasn't ten past and it wasn't five past. It was like just to get that extra bit of time yeah, in bed you know, to have a few minutes less getting ready. Um, but yeah, you drive in and sometimes we drive, sometimes we'd be in a hotel, but you know, you might spend an hour or two driving even, depending on where you are. And then you spend a couple of hours before Gary gets in. Then he gets in the chair for four hours while we do the makeup and get him into his fat suit. Then he's on set for 10 or 12 hours and he comes back. We take it off for an hour and then we spend another two hours cleaning the wig from that day, prepping the pieces for the next day. Then we go home for a little bit and then come back. So, yeah, I think we were averaging kind of 18 hours, maybe slightly more. And then the most we did was about 21, I think, in oh, a day, 21 or The hardest working so. team on the set, surely. <laughs> so, Some people would disagree, maybe. Uh, no, I think, I think we probably were. Because we'd be in even before, you know, catering normally getting early because they're in doing catering for people for when they get there at a yeah. slightly more reasonable time. But yeah. we'd just, yeah, but there'd be no one there. We'd have to get special requests for the guy that looked after our truck to come in before us, you know, to make sure it was up and running. And sleep so, when you and get I think, home. I think even they might have done shifts. So even though the person came in and opened the truck, I think maybe someone else closed the truck. So we would, I think we would. I can't imagine anyone was doing any more hours. No. There's, there's no more hours left in the day to, to do it, is there? So, um, yeah, it's. I mean, that's the brutal part of it, really. But um, when you, when you decided this is the this is the job I want to do, yeah, you probably had no idea that it would be so intense. Or, or did you have? I mean, how did you um, get into it? Because I know I know you did all that. You did some courses, and but was there a moment when before you even got to do um you know all the practical stuff that you were watching a film and you thought this is something I'd really like to do yeah I guess being as a kid I always 
sort of watched either not necessarily films but even tv shows like casualty or lens burning or things like that where you see um i guess injuries like real life stuff rather than character rather than sort of aliens and monsters and things i was more into recreating real life stuff whether it's people or whether it's injuries on people and uh, you always wondered how they did it, and you were yeah, interested. just but you just always think it's going to happen in America because it's the movie industry, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not really. I didn't realise at the time, and it may have been the case that films weren't really made in the UK so much. You had to go to America, and I thought, well, that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any family in America, didn't have any contacts in America, so. But it did happen, and it did happen. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, I guess everybody wants to to. Um, I guess you know get an award for for anything they do but to get the best award I guess is yeah it's incredible is so so more... so let's start from from the beginning so you yeah. um you trained in 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 Peterborough yeah Stanford College okay and that's like was it just a general course that wasn't to do with film and telly or was it was it just um I don't know I mean it might have been called at the time something like makeup for film and television or something um and it it might have had the word theatre in there. It might have had special effects. I'm not quite sure. I know it, it's changed its name a few times since. But it was basically a course that gave you an introduction into fashion makeup, um, theatre makeup, special effects makeup, wig making, design. I think a little bit into business, you know, so you had to make a business card and that kind of thing. Um, it was it was as soon as I left school, so I didn't stay on, on, on to school to do anything. Mm. So I left at whatever age that would have been, I guess. Would that have been 15 or 16, maybe? Sure. I guess. Yeah. Um, but you, you were focused, um, you knew that that was... Yeah, I mean, you, you I'm, didn't I'm doing go now, yeah, I'm doing now, even today, what I wanted to do then, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, which I think is unusual in itself, because most people don't know at that age what they want to do. Yeah, but also incredible that you were that focused and you did a sort of a course that so many other people did as well, but mm-hmm. now looking at where you got <laughs> to, so... Yeah. It's an amazing jet because so from that you um, you did another course didn't you to get a bit more film technique? Yeah, so that was in Sutton Coalfield. That mm. was the following year because I didn't want to when I left school I didn't want to go to uni really because because I knew that I wanted to be doing this and there wasn't really a course designed for that and if I did go to uni it would be several years. So bit more debt. I just well yeah just more debt and just more I thought time wasted doing something like that and it wasn't really I wasn't moving forward you know so. So the closest thing I could find was a course in Sutton Coalfield, learning uh, like film and TV course, uh, mm-hmm. film and TV or f- film and video course. Um, again, one year I went with a friend of mine who was at the same college doing the makeup course. Richard, we went there, stayed in Sutton Coalfield for a year, and did that course. And that again was just an introduction into filming and directing, editing, that kind of thing, really. And it's just more of an insight into the industry, really. Sure. That's why I wanted to do it. So, and even when I left the course, I made a few videos for people and I did editing and you know just sort of basic bits really but I was always doing makeup stuff on the side or special effects makeup on the side so what was your first proper yeah. gig then after you left because it must be really hard to you know you've got the qualification but to break yeah. into it um my first sort of big tv thing was casualty maybe I worked on casualty and how um, do you but how do you and get I just, to work on Well, I kept contacting this woman. Uh, Sue Kneebone uh, was her name. I remember it so well. Um, I think her name changed because someone spoke to me recently and said she'd spoken to Sue. And I can't remember what she said her new surname is, but she'd spoken to her. And, you know, because she knew what had happened to me. So she'd spoken to her. Um, yeah. But I just wrote to her a few times at Casualty or at the BBC because I saw her name at the end of the credits on some of the episodes. Well, it's a good way, so isn't it? I just, Catch the name. You know, just kept trying to contact. And I guess you must have been told. 
Um, and then eventually I contacted her again. I don't even know if I spoke to her, whether it was just a letter back in those days. And she just finally responded and said, oh, okay, come on in then. Just come in for a week or something like that. I think it was a week. Stop so, writing to yeah. me. Just come on so, in. <laughs> um, so I guess I was persistent enough, but without being too irritating that she said no (laughs) I guess Um, I haven't really spoken to her about it I'd love to speak to her again because I'd love to know if she's got a slightly different take on it than what than what I remember because I would have been I guess 18 at the time so yeah I just went in for some work experience and I took in the portfolio that I had at the time and someone else on the show saw it Derek I think Derek Lloyd I think his name might have been he he saw it and said that he was pleased with it then I went away and I think a few weeks later or the following week he rang and said he's got some work for me. So I went down for another week or two doing some work. Um, and did, I bet you thought, I can't believe I watched this as a kid. Yeah, and then you're on it, you know. So, I mean, you, you see all the sets and the actors and whatever and you're 18 years old and you're you're working in the industry that you want to be working in mm. but you think this could be your only job because what if, you, they, don't, what if they don't employ me again or what if no one else does? So you yeah. just... You just kind of hope that it's um, that it carries on, really. I guess so. And do you and remember you, what exactly you worked on on that first show? Uh, I did lots, so, of, yeah, lots of injuries. I did like a broken nose on someone, and I think a cut on someone's arm. Had to put some woman's hair up, which was terrifying because I don't really do hair much, <laughs> or even then at the time I didn't. So yeah, just sort of bits like that, really. You know, mm-hmm. nothing too mm-hmm. too involved, but you're still. I mean, you're nervous because you're. You're, you're working, you know, that's going to be on camera potentially, you're going to yeah. see that. So, and my dad was in, he was in the fire service, so the fire, the um, London's Burning show that was on at the time, they would go to the different fire brigades where they were filming in that part of the world, or that part of the country. So when they came to Peterborough, they would uh, would ask for fire service or fire members, you know, like fire fighters, to be extras okay. um, in the show. So when they asked for extras to be in it, I just said, oh, could I do the makeup instead of being in it? Can I do the makeup? So do it for nothing or they might pay for, you know, your travel or something like that. But I I don't remember that at all. I just remember just being excited doing it. So, Mm. And, 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 you know, you're getting so much experience and you're getting more stuff that you can add to your CV and and more photographs, I guess, because I guess you take photographs of what you've done. Yeah, because that's how you get your next job, really. It's difficult. I mean, it's it's a bit more word of mouth nowadays, Mm. I guess, you know. Uh, you get to a certain point in your career and people either know of you or people are working and they say, oh, you know, speak to Dave, he'll sort you out. You know, he'll he'll do a good job or, yeah. or I hope that's what they say. <laughs> but that's <laughs> um, what, um, this, and then that's what it comes from, you this know. This job is all about being a really great people person, isn't it? Because like you said, when you were talking about talking to Gary Oldman, you know, he's in the chair with you for, for hours on end. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have a great people skills and just be really easy to get yeah you just have to connect with the person so I mean you might have the best people skills in the world but you know you you also may not get on with that particular actor just because well it's just like meeting anyone anywhere isn't it if you meet someone out and about or in the pub or something a group of friends or there's always someone you like more than someone else in that group or someone you like the least in the group and I guess it's a similar thing to that Yeah. yeah we just we just clicked really myself and Gary uh, I worked with him on a job previous to Darkest Hour. Um, I don't know whether you know, but we did um, 
Hitman's Bodyguard yes, together. Yes. And again, I only got that job through chance, really. How did it come I was about working then? at a workshop um, with Mark Coulier. He he tends to give me quite a lot of work. I work with him quite a lot. He's also, well, he, not I say also, like I have, but he's won two Oscars and two BAFTAs and various other awards for things. Um, again, we just work well together. He tends to employ me on every job that he has. And he had this job coming up on Hitman's Bodyguard. He couldn't do the makeup for whatever reason. So he was making the makeup. And uh, another guy, Josh, in the workshop was sculpting the makeup. And Gary wanted the person who did the test makeup to be able to do all of the shoot days for the film. He didn't want someone to do the test and then someone to do a few days one week and then a few days the next. He just wanted it to be the same person all the way through. So um, Mark just said to me, I think it was the night before it was going to happen. Uh, you know, Gary's asked for it to be the same person. Can you go and do it? And I was, and I like to be prepared for things and, you know... Very so short notice. I just said, isn't it? just let me have a think. Yeah, I think it was the night, you know, I had to let him know that night and then it was going to be like the following day or something like that. So it's really short notice. Mm. So, but it just worked out. I came home and spoke to my wife, Liz, and she said, of course you should do it. And I said, well, I know I should do it, but it's whether I, you know, can in the time I've got. And all, you know, all, all the usual stuff that comes up, really. Yeah. And it's Gary Oldman, isn't it? So <laughs> I don't um, want to muck it up. Know. But um, yeah, I guess fortunately for me, Josh couldn't do it. And I knew I could do it. And it was going to be, I think, two or three weeks filming in the UK, different places in the UK. And then I think we went to Bulgaria, I think it was, for a week. Uh, and I went and did the test makeup in London. Uh, Gary was, I guess, working me out at that point. And we we just got on. We got a very similar sense of humour. Mm. Uh, same sense of... Um, perfectionism I guess in the work you, you know we would we'd be doing it and we'd be talking together about the makeup you know maybe a bit more of this a bit less of that don't put this piece on put that piece on and just trying to work it out between us really and then I'd show him photographs of my other work that I did and he seemed really impressed with what I'd done and then we just got to know each other over those two or three weeks and then when that job finished I really missed Gary because I just loved being with him and his wife or girlfriend at the time, Giselle, mm. we just all got on so well together. So when I got back, I think it was a couple of weeks later, maybe, I got a text message from Gary saying, uh, you know, hi, it's Gary. How do you fancy doing Churchill? And then it just kind of went on from there, really. So, But isn't that amazing you know, that that decision? So, you know, you're like, oh, I don't think I can do this because it's really short notice and yeah. I'm not prepared. But you took a bit of a leap of faith. Yeah. You did it. Yeah, I know. Because prop- Churchill wouldn't have really happened, would it? No, well, there'd be no reason for him to choose me because no. Gary didn't know me, yeah. and even even at the time, you know, he he didn't he only knew me for what he saw. So he obviously, you know, when I was there, I guess maybe showing him pictures of my other work helped because it gave him the confidence for that particular job, and it also made him think, wow, that's you know that work looks really nice, and he really liked my painting, the way I paint um, prosthetics or uh, you know silicon to look like flesh, and you know my character work and things. So I think he really that really. Um, impressed him but yeah there'd be no reason for him to contact me because even the guy in LA who designed the makeup Kazu uh, he knew of me and we'd been emailing at times over the years but you know he wouldn't have chosen me because he already had a team in place you know to to be able to do that so he was going to design it and then he already had a team in place to do what I was doing so is it quite unusual for an actor to say I'd like this guy um, I guess so I mean well it's never happened for me but Mm. I guess they just want to be confident and happy with the people that are doing the job sure. you know because then that makes that's one less thing for them to worry about I presume well that, it's such a know, huge part that, of that they don't have to they can just think oh that's fine it's being looked after that yeah. is 
But isn't that interesting as well that, you know, you've, you've used all your, it, it was a great connection, but also all your experience as well. You talk about he liked the way you, you painted and, and all that, because we, we haven't talked about Madame Tussauds, because yeah. you worked there for, for 10 yeah. years. So was that yeah. really important to get so much of the skill that you used? Yeah, that's a, massive, that's a massive part of my um, my career, I guess, or massive part of my what's led me to where I am today, I guess. Mm. And, and how did you again, get a I'd, job I'd, at Man Yeah, well, again, I'd always wanted to work at Man Swords, so it was that thing of creating real life, like I was saying earlier. So, um, but it was yeah, it's expensive to live in London. You know, we were in Peterborough at my parents' house for, well, no doubt for free. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I would have had to leave to come to London. You have to rent a place and whatever. So I remember applying to Two Swords. Again, just wrote them a letter and asked if I could get a job. And they either... They either, I, I think they might have said, yes, come on down for an interview. But then when I worked out the cost of what it would be to actually live there, I just said to them, either I couldn't afford it or something else came up. I think I might have got a job in Peterborough just doing something because I just wanted to earn some money so I could afford to do this kind of thing, really. And then the following year, I wrote to them again and said, hi, it's me again. And I just wondered if there's still a chance. And then I just went for it. You know, my parents helped me. They moved me down and helped me with my rent and all the usual stuff that parents do. And well also and yeah, then because it started. That was in ninety eight that was that I started. You there. mentioned your parents because, you know, it's quite it's quite <clears> an unusual <throat> career really to say, I want to go and work at Madame mm. Two Swords. But were your parents always behind what you wanted yeah, to kind, do? Yeah, uh, yeah, they 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 were and always and still are to this day, but I think they were a bit shocked that I wanted to be I guess a makeup artist, you know, or special effects makeup artist. Yeah. Because you know, I'd always talked about being in the fire service, I guess, like my dad, um, or being in the special forces or just something, you know, I don't know. It's uh, very different. I mean, was, was just, there art in the family? No, 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 no one can, no one can <laughs> no do anything. One can. No one can do anything artistic at all. If you speak to my parents, you know, they would, even when I told them I was doing that, they sort of think, are you sure? Like, are you really where sure? I know where, you, where, <laughs> where have you got this idea from? I mean, they knew I'd always wanted to do to to do this but again they thought well that's an american thing you you can't do it over here so mm-hmm. i was going to make these luxury boats in a, a place in peterborough and i think that job was already sorted or it was pretty close to being sorted and then we just drove past like a college advertisement day or advertisement week or something where you just go in and look at loads of different colleges and courses and then you just pick which one you wanted to do so one of them was advertising this makeup course at stanford college and I said, Dad, that's 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 the course. I can't believe there's even a course doing that. So we just, just Dad said, Well, if that's what you really want to do, then just do it. So yeah, that, that was it, really. I guess if he'd said no, would you've done it um, anyway? Well, I don't know, really. Um, probably not, because I trust what my parents say. Mm-hmm. So I would have probably gone, Oh, okay, then, and took the other job. And when when you worked at Madame Two Swords, who in particular did you work on? Oh, well, the first person I worked on, I think it was Mel Gibson. The first head I did. And how um, does that work? Do they come it in? Was, uh, uh, he didn't at the time. Um, I don't think he's ever been in. This was done from research. Okay. And I, I went in first to do hair punching so or hair insertion. So it's when you get the wax head and then you insert the hairs one by one into the head. It took me, I don't know, six weeks or eight weeks or something like that to do just the head of hair and the eyebrows. And then someone would then um, paint that head afterwards. And then you just do that. So when you finish that, you just go on to the next one. So I just did that for years. That is and then really I did, detailed, um, intricate work, yeah. isn't it? And then I, once I did that for a few years, I then sort of wanted to move on a bit. I, th- I can't remember if I left at that point and did a film called Band of Brothers or a TV series oh, called yeah. Band of Brothers and worked for that for a few weeks. 
And then I think I came back to Man of Two Swords. I, they then sent me away to different parts of the world to go and meet the celebrities. So I'd go and meet them, take their, uh, you know, with a team of people, we'd take photographs, measurements, um, colour samples, all that kind of thing. Inspect their hair. Um, you know, spend, you know, whether it's an hour or four hours with them, getting that information. And then you bring the information back and then the team back here would then make the figures based on the information that I gathered. So, And then did you get feedback on how they felt about it? Yeah, yeah. You normally see them at the unveiling or you normally hear the press release of, of what they think, yeah. And quite, I'm sure it was always positive because uh, they're yeah, amazing. most of the time, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was, was there a particular one that you were really, really proud of? A wax figure of Fidel Castro that Steve Swale sculpted. Mm-hmm. I just remember there was just always something about it that just looked so realistic, so lifelike. And by the time it was, he did such a lovely sculpting job and then the hair on it was really nice. Well, I did the hair work, but I mean, it just looked nice when it was finished. The hair textures that, you know, that the sort of hair supervisor would have chosen just were perfect for his beard. Uh, the person that painted it just looked, did, just did a really good job. The costume, his pose, just everything all kind of lined up, really. Mm. Just all, all sort of fitted nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that kind of st- sticks in my mind, I guess. Mm. So, so you're at Madame Tussauds and, <clears throat> and you're like, okay, I've done this now. And you had a little bit of a taste of Band of Brothers. Yeah. And you're thinking, I'm, I want to do a bit more film. Yeah. Um, and again, at some point throughout that, I did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> it's uh, a really fun Depp, film. Yeah, Johnny Depp version. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, just you just start doing it. And then someone says, oh, I hear you did this recently. So then you go on to something else and then... And is this all uh, done through, do you have an agent or is it all done through word of mouth? It was all word of mouth, yeah. yeah. I've, I had an agent. I've just got an agent recently since, I guess, all the hype around Darkest Hour and um, a few of the sort of high profile jobs I've done around that that similar time. Uh, they offer you things and then you can decide what you yeah, want to do. Yeah, um, Mandy, who I deal with there, she's lovely. Um, and as soon as I spoke to her on the phone, I realised that I wanted to use her. Mm. She wasn't really taking people on, but she again I guess wanted to work with me and I wanted to work with her so it just kind of worked out really mm. so mm. we said let's try it so we're, we're trying it out at the moment and all seems to be going well because you, you talked about lots of high profile films because you have worked on so many I mean the, the Pride and Prejudice the, the zombie <laughs> one <Yeah. laughs> yeah. I mean that's something that's kind of a makeup artist's dream isn't yeah, it yeah it's slightly unusual that job but it's good fun you know it's um yeah, I mean, all sorts of weird and wonderful things. I can't even think of what I've done now. But, the Grand um, Budapest Hotel. I've oh, got yeah. a list here. In fact, I've got, oh, yeah. I've got a ridiculous list. Harry yeah. Potter, Doctor Who. Um, Doctor Who, yeah, TV series. That was for Millennium Effects. Oh, um, and, and more recently, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. Um, Fantastic Beasts as well. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. you, you must just think... Do you sometimes think when you're, you're doing some makeup on a, on, a, on a film set, pinch yourself, you think, well, hang on a minute, I was in Peterborough and... I talked to my mum and dad about doing makeup, and they weren't sure, but we went for it, and and now look at what I'm doing. Yeah, I think I think anyone would admit that it's if you speak to anyone in a similar position that it is, it's unusual to be working or to you know be at work or be doing things like that, and then there's a celebrity in the background because it, it is unusual because you think you know them from seeing them in film or TV or on the radio or wherever they are, and then you see them. Mm. Um, yeah, but at the same time you see them and you think, oh yeah, but then you just carry on because. They're just regular people at the end Absolutely. of the day, like like it, all of us. It's so. not so much about the celebrities, but it's all at the fact that you know you love film. We, we're in your cinema. You know, you you you're sitting here and you're watching 
you know, so many of us love film, and, and you you are a part of it. That must be really special. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah, yeah. It's nice, you know, when you see your name at the end of the film. It doesn't always happen because they don't always put your name in for whatever reason. But yeah, when you see the name come up, or when you get a message from someone who's been to the cinema, or they're on a plane going somewhere, and they see your name at the end of the credits um, or at the end of the film. And they send you a picture, say, I've just seen your name at the end of this film yeah. or something like that, or just seen your work in this. But the, um, you say they don't often always put your name at the end of the yeah. credits, but that must, is that changing? Because with things like The Darkest Hour and um, Gary Oldman mentioning you in his speech. Yeah, there's certain things small... like that, you know, and if you if you can, you can try and work that into your into your deal or your, you know, your thing with the producers. It's like, I'll, I want to have a credit at the end or a credit oh, at the I start. I want my name or, at the front. Yeah, I want it to be the biggest name. <laughs> So, just give us a sense. Um, somebody like me who hasn't got a clue. I, I know that there were three three of you picked up the Oscar. Oh, incidentally, as well for the Darkest Dad, did you each get an Oscar? Yeah. You see, so you're, you're not sharing it. It's not no, like no, a, it's not a timeshare um, scheme. Yeah, it's not like yeah, because I think a lot of awards are like that, aren't they? Or a lot of trophies. Yeah. I think gold medals. You know, like if you're Olympic gold medalist or medalist, I think they're fine. But the three of us got one: myself, Lucy, and Kazu. So on mine, it says my name, and then Kazu and Lucy, and then on Lucy's, it's her name first, Aww. and then our names are swapped around. That's lovely. And then on his, it's his name first, and then our names are swapped around again. So such a lot of thought going into that. Yeah, um, and then you you go to the engraving room once you, you once you win this. It's it's not engraved, so you just pick it up as it is, and then you, you spend about forty five minutes after you win. Uh, doing interviews and signings and all that kind of thing and then you go up to the governor's ball afterwards which is where they engrave it and they fit the plaque onto your oscar and then weren't you terrified though during all those parties and interviews that you would lose it i mean i know you said it was heavy and everyone <laughs> well, I just to didn't put it. it down i just didn't put it down i mean i did give it to quite a lot of people to hold because it's kind of the, someone said it's it's what you do really the idea because it's so heavy um, i don't know if you picked it up when you came in but i wouldn't dare um, it's so heavy um <laughs> that you the the idea is that you pass it around because it's it's so heavy. I'll get it for you. Can okay. I, can I'm terrified. That is heavy. Yes. <laughs> that is like the biggest um, it, it, the biggest novel that you've read times three, isn't it? <laughs> or like you know, big doorstop. Yeah. So if you can imagine holding that for six or ten hours or well, whatever it worked out, I would be, drop it. You know, from from when we won to when you go to sleep, I guess. Yeah. Um, Why is it so heavy? It's it's yeah. it's um. It's in the base as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's just the whole thing. So yeah. it's twenty-four carat plated. Um, I d- can't remember what they said is is in you know is the is the bulk of it. But yeah, it's twenty-four carat gold plated, and then that is incredible. It's um, such an honour just to be able to hold <laughs> it. I'm sure so many people say that to you, but also so terrifying as well in the fact that you know it's such a special thing that yeah, it is. Like. like I said, it's heavy. The the BAFTA is the same weight. It's um, a bit more top heavy because it's you can see just the way it's designed. Yeah. Oh, it's um, fantastic! But you mentioned Lucy and uh, and Kazu, and yeah. they've all got their own. But yeah. it's such—I imagine makeup is such a team thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because I mean, how many on a film? There are the three of you, but yeah. how many are there of you, the whole team, roughly, Ooh. to give us a sense of somebody like me who hasn't got a clue? Um, you mean just in our department, yeah. so making this makeup? Well, it would have been Kazu in the early days designing it. Then he would have used an effects workshop in LA, Vincent. Uh, Van Dyke, I think it was the effects unit he used. He might have had three or four people in his workshop working on it, so making moulds and castings and things like that. Then the pieces, once the moulds were made and the design was approved, they were sent to Spain and they had 
you know, three people working on the makeup there. And then over here, I mean, we'd normally have a, a much bigger team, but just through budget restraints and constraints, that just never happened. So, but on set every day, it was just myself and Lucy. So Kazu designed the makeup and got it all approved. And then he came to the UK, handed the makeup over, made sure that Gary was happy and I was happy that it was, you know, how it was all working out. And then as soon as we started filming, Kazi went back to LA and then myself and Lucy stayed. So, But that's why why our days were so long, because we were doing the work that other people should have been doing, but they just didn't have the money I for see. it. Yeah. So you'd normally have a team of people that would be painting the pieces every day, which is what I had to do every day. Someone that would be preparing and cleaning the wig would be doing that, but Lucy was doing that because there was no one else to do it. Mm. Doing all the work on set, we had to do it ourselves. Lucy was there most of the time because I was back in the workshop preparing the pieces and speaking to Spain to get the pieces back and if there's any issues I had to deal with that we we should have had a team you know that's yeah. that's how it was worked out okay. so and and when you then go up to a set say abroad and you're getting on a flight are you the person with like 10 suitcases because yeah. you have a lot yeah a we lot normally turn up with quite a lot of stuff so the makeup team I think always the sort of regular makeup team I guess call it you know the non-prosthetic makeup team always look a bit shocked when we turn up because it's just a lot of stuff mm-hmm. you know if you can imagine I, you have you might see, i'll show you before you leave you can see churchill's makeup you know i've got it outside you can see sort of how big it is i mean it's the size of a human being i guess but it's you can just see it and um but you need the piece for the day you need a spare piece you need this you need that um all your different specialist glues and paints and yeah there's a lot bits and pieces your reference material you know there's just a lot of stuff really <laughs> Um, take up half a plane <laughs> yeah so, but <laughs> well we, we've talked a lot about about the oscar and the darkest hour but when yeah. i saw my daughter this morning who's been watching glow up oh yeah she's been watching it like she repeats watching it oh she's, really and she's like you're <laughs> meeting an oscar winning makeup artist right i've got some questions for you she's because right, okay. she i think she loves she would love to do something like this i think yeah. And I, what are your top tips she said for getting into being doing a being a makeup artist so i mean we've spoken about your determination yeah and um you know just you definitely have to be determined yeah there's there's no doubt about that you have to you have to want you have to want to do it or you have to love doing it really but I think the thing I tell people most of the time is that you just have to or to me if I was employing somebody and I was having to pick someone over someone else or watching people work I would just want to to see that they care you know like I'd I always think or hope I show people that I care about what I do. So, because you, you can show that you care, but you may not necessarily be the best person at it, or you may not be the best at the time. But if you just show you care, mm. I think that means more to me mm. than someone who may be slightly better, but almost doesn't care what they're doing. They don't appreciate the work they're being given, that kind of thing. You know, that's who I'd rather work with. Yeah. And that's, that's how I've been myself is because I do care. I don't, really I don't really do a job if I if I don't care about it yeah being able to care about it and and read people you know because as much as they may not be your type of person they may not be someone that you would hang around with normally or Mm. have a laugh with you need to sort of read how they are and just try to deal with them for that amount of time whether you just meet them for 20 minutes or for two weeks or two months you Mm. just have to know how to get on with them for that amount of time and Mm. then you know, it may be that you never see them again, but you just, you but know, you, it, it just makes your life easier, their life easier if you get on. But also, if you can get on. it might lead to something else, you know, working yeah. with someone for 10 minutes could lead to to another job, another... Yeah, and, oh, and people talk, don't they? So whether you're working on 
well, a big or small actor, you know, it doesn't matter whether they've, it's their first job or not, but they see your work and see you as a as a person or as a particular skill set, and then they they will say to someone else, um, oh, I've just met Dave today or last week, or there's this guy doing this film that I was working on. His work was really good, or you should really, you should really consider him, you should really speak to him, mm. and that's sort of how things happen, really, mm. is, is one of those things. Being able to receive feedback off people is really important. If someone... Not so much that they do like your work, because that's easy to 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 <laughs> to receive, I guess. But it's when someone doesn't like what you're doing for whatever reason, or says they don't like it, even if it's really good, they just say, I don't like that. And then you've got to, just got to learn how to take that or learn how to deal with that. <laughs> Go home, cry later, but yeah. not, not let them see yeah. it. Maybe. And, you know, people aren't going to like everything, are they? So the work I've done in the past is, I may think it's really good, but lots of people might just think that's not very good design or not mm. very good It's all subjective, work, isn't whatever. it? Exactly, yeah. So... Mm. And um, and I think that's the thing around award season. It, it is subjective. So I liken it to things like it's not like um, an Olympic sprint. You know, you're in the you're in the Olympics and you run in. It's who's going to get from the start to the finish the quickest. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? Because it's whoever crosses that line first. Whereas you you go up and you're in the Oscars and you're the three nominated films. And there's no there's no winner. It's it's not about who's done the most of this and who got there quickest. It's who who do people think is the winner mm. and it's it's very subjective that's why it's always quite stressful around the time because you're just hoping that people think that yours is the best <laughs> and it's, vote for you really <laughs> it's stressful but just looking at yeah. looking at that oscar looking at me it's just amazing it's yeah. fabulous and, and if we were to look back at, at the really big turning points in your career i mean seeing that sign at your local college to get you on the road i guess for the training yeah but just hounding people a bit at Madame Tussauds and uh, yeah. Casualty. I mean, there must have been times I did something similar and I didn't get the call back because I must have, I guess, pushed it too much. Mm. Um, I don't know. No one's ever said and I, w- I would never know. But yeah, don't take no for an answer within reason. Meeting Gary Oldman, I mean, that was massive. Yeah, I mean, that's of... a massive turning point, really, because I wasn't initially up for that job. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was one, one or two people that should have done it but couldn't couldn't do it and therefore I guess I was the backup like the backup option it's like okay we'll send not as in he didn't want to he he, you know Mark knew I could do it which is why he asked me because he doesn't ask people to do stuff unless he's confident so he said oh come on you'll be fine I'm like oh I don't know but going for it and turning it into an opportunity the fact that someone else couldn't do it now that person who who said no because they had a holiday booked may um (laughs) they're kicking themselves well no but I mean but but they they may be in this position now or they may not have been they may not have you know it just may not have worked out because Mm -hmm. the reason I took on the job was that when I said to Gary that I'd think about it I said there's loads of things I need to consider for this and we spoke on the phone and he said look I understand he says because I did the same thing when I took the character on Mm -hmm. and he said I would only do it if if Kazu the makeup designer could was going to do the makeup right and Kazi was going to do it if he could get his particular team. But it was only because Gary came on and then said, I met this guy in the UK, I want him to do the makeup. So then I said, well, I would do it um, if the terms were right. And if I could get Lucy to uh, work with me on it, if I can't get Lucy, then I'm really going to struggle because mm. I don't know who else I could trust to do that. Mm. So it was all these kind of things that everyone was saying, yes, they'd do it, but only if someone else said they would do it. So we're trying to get everything to line up just at the right time. 
And I mean, I'm not saying that if Kazu designed the makeup and I was supervising over here and Lucy was helping me on another character on another film that we'd just go and win an Oscar again. I'm not saying that at all because if if we did, we'd be doing just be doing that all the time. People would want us to be working for them because we'd get a really good result. It's just for some reason it just happened to work out, mm. and we're all really grateful for that. And you also, know, I'm really was, grateful for Gary for trusting in me. So it all it all worked out in the end, yeah. even though it was a bit of a leap of faith. It <laughs> yeah. it, it really did. Yeah. So what what's next for you then? What what's coming up in the panel? Uh, what I are don't you know really. I'm moment? working on a film called The Old Guard at the moment. What's that about? The um, lead actress in that is Charlize Theron, Kiki Lane, um, are kind of the the two main leads, I guess, in that. And it's a Netflix film. We're doing some sort of blood effects and sort of things like that really I can't say too much at, <laughs> at this point but it's that kind of film sure. you know where we're where we're doing bits and pieces we're still filming that at the moment so um, and is that in the UK yes yeah, yeah. Uh, we are going to film in Morocco I think as well and yeah there's another couple of other things as Bubbling. well that I'm doing you can't um, say much about but yeah I mean I'm, I'm obviously keen or interested or um maybe anxious to know what might be coming up I don't know what's coming up so um you just don't know when what's going to happen when the phone or email goes that it's the joy um, of being sort of freelancer isn't it yeah um I would like something you know to get my teeth into I guess but it's just trying to Mm. find the right thing really yeah and whether I you know whether I'm free to do the whole thing and also whether the crew you know because you're only as good as your crew when you do a big job Mm. you know it's not just it's not just me feeling comfortable that I can do it. It's saying yes to a job, knowing that you've got your different crew members in place and that they're willing to support you on it. So, And when you say you want to get your teeth into something, is it something like transformation, a bit like Churchill, or something completely different? Um, yeah, I mean, it could be a character makeup like Churchill. Uh, I mean, that's stressful beyond belief, but, you know, it's really rewarding. Uh, or something, yeah, just something completely different. You know, maybe a job where... You just get a, actually quite a big crew on board. You know, you you um, I, I can't think of what it would be like, but you're you're running a quite a big team. You may not be involved as much practically, but you're just running and designing how the film or makeup should look. Yeah, I guess would be would be good. I mean, I'll I'll consider anything. That's that's the thing. It's they all have their sort of plus and minuses, I guess. Mm. You know, or where they're based in the in the world. How long they're for, all those kind of things, yeah, really. Sure. So, yeah. um, Oscar potential, <laughs> always a thought. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, you know, you don't... I think if, if people go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to take that because I've got more chance of winning an Oscar with that, I think that's probably when you at least likely have the chance, you know. Yeah. I just wanted to do Darkest Hour, for example, because I really missed working with Gary, you know, having done Hitman. So when he asked about doing that I mean he could have asked for any job and I would have done it because it was with Gary so it just happened to be this and then once we started working on it and we started seeing it on the screen we would say or people would say oh wow that looks amazing that's um, I wouldn't be surprised if you were nominated for something this year or or at least shortlisted for something Mm and you sort of think they're they're not joking but you you think they can't be serious really at the time but then yeah when it comes out and then you're you're anticipating the trailer and the trailer comes out and it's good and you start getting feedback from people most of it was positive but there's you know obviously the odd odd comment that isn't so positive but um yeah and then just sort of 
well, wait and wait and see. see you know, never know. He might be doing something, and he might phone yeah. might ring again. Yeah, you um, never know. I mean, I would love to work with Gary, and he said he'd love to work with us again. So, in the meantime, I think next Oscar season, you should take your Oscar along and try and get into some parties and <laughs> yeah. see if anyone. I'll take my BAFTA it. into the UK and yeah. see if I can go to the BAFTA party. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, David, it's really interesting hearing about just, oh, what a career so far from, you know, from from casualty, London's burning, all the yeah. way up to uh, to getting that Oscar. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing it to me. It's You're welcome. Fun. Thanks Thank you. for taking the time to interview me. No <laughs> well, thanks so much to David for giving his time to talk to me and letting me hold his Oscar and BAFTA. Uh, don't forget, you can rate us on iTunes. We're also on Spotify and Podbean. And you can follow us on Twitter at Where Go Right. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe as well. That would be great. Thanks to Megan for producing the podcast this week. She's been filling me in on her incredibly exciting social life, unlike mine, which has been the school fate, football tournaments and sports day. Uh, Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week.